The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. The UCAP gang are continuing to babble with excitement about next week's trip to Lakeland, Florida, if only they can all get healthy, and it would just stop snowing. Dave and Jeb have slightly different opinions on retractable landing gear. The head guy from Sun and Fun visits the virtual hangar, a vintage aircraft judging fundraiser, and a happy ending by parachute. All this and more on Uncontrolled Airspace, episode number 24, the Sun and Fun preview. It's a new pilot, John. You're going to get reamed in insurance. Uh, that's the He's going to get reamed on insurance anyway. There were people who said, why would anybody want to pull the parachute when they've got the option to land it? You can stay up late Friday night yeah. watching the night air show on fireworks and then get up very early the next morning for the hot air balloon launch. All right. I think we're finally ready. The recorder's going. You guys all set? More or less. More or less. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode number 24 of Uncontrolled... All right, I'm going to start again. <laughs> that mute button comes in handy on the case. Yeah, I know, huh? Uh, welcome, folks, to episode number 24 of Uncontrolled Airspace. Uh, this is, I think we're going to subtitle this one The Walking Wounded episode. I don't know. We're yeah. all kind of kind of struggling, and uh, but... Uh, we can talk more about that, maybe. I don't know. We're going to have a lot to do today, so we got to move it along. Uh, with me today, uh, at this point in the virtual hangar, Jeb Burnside is talking to us from Springfield, Virginia. Jeb is a freelance aviation journalist and currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine, also as a contributing editor to AvWeb Biz. Good morning, Jeb. How you doing? I'm uh, hanging in there this morning. Good so, morning, so, Jack. So you're not one of the walking wounded, but your computer apparently is this morning, My, right? my computer is, is uh, not a happy camper this morning. Um, I had a late night and early morning, so, uh, um, you know, I'm here physically and, and mostly mentally. Okay. And also with us this morning, uh, again, Dave Higdon, of course, from uh, Wichita, Kansas. Dave is an aviation photographer, a senior editor for Kit Planes Magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. Good morning, Dave. You are definitely one of the walking wounded, right? I'm definitely one of the walking wounded. Uh, had uh, surgery to correct carpal tunnel syndrome and uh, ulnar nerve compression on uh, Tuesday afternoon and uh, did the same thing two weeks ago and it's not going quite as swimmingly this time as it did before so we're out here with uh, one hand down and one hand up okay and uh, I am Jack Hodgson in Boston Massachusetts a private pilot a freelance writer and a new media producer and I am also one of the walking wounded um, I kind of overdid it a few days back on my running program and hurt my right leg and so I've been limping around for a few days here and uh, knock on See, wood now, it's- I- I think if man had been meant to run like that, he would have been born with four legs. Yeah, well, <laughs> I certainly could use a spare right now. There's no question about it. But uh, things are getting better, and we're all going to kind of get our act together here, get, think good karma. We're all going to get on the mend here and meet up next week in, uh, in Lakeland. Yes, that's the not, not necessarily in that order. That's but. right. But uh, more on that <laughs> later on. Uh, Let's see now. Let's just jump in here. Uh, we got an interesting piece of uh, listener Flash. mail uh, the other day. 
let's see if I can. Uh, this is I'm going to read only part of this, but uh, this is from uh, John in White Plains, New York. John writes, uh, Jack, Jeb, and Dave. My name is John from White Plains, New York. Uh, uh, HPN, Hoppa Hotel Papa November. No, uh, well. And uh, I am yep. a, he says, I am a relatively new aviator, having started my flight training on October 16, 2006. And I'm proud to tell you I passed my private pilot check ride on March 30th, 2007. Yahoo! There you go, yeah. John. He says, I love being able to say, I am a pilot, as it has been a lifelong dream. I always say, I are a pilot. I are a pilot. That's right. Enough. I started out as a pilot in the bakery. They take uh, dough, put it in my hands, and have me pilot in the other corner. Yeah. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, he says, I, I now have a question which I hope you will discuss in, in an upcoming... Um, oh, man, I just can't even speak this morning. Not only my leg, my mouth. <laughs> now to my question, which I hope you will discuss in an upcoming episode. And I'm going to just summarize what he's had to say here. He basically says, now that he's a pilot, he wants to buy an airplane. And yeah. he's, he's got it into his head that maybe he wants to buy an airplane with retractable landing gear. And he wants to know what, what our thoughts are on the on the subject of, of fixed versus retractable gear. And, Don't go there yet yeah why not as a new pilot john you're gonna get reamed in insurance uh that's the he's first gonna thing. get reamed on insurance anyway well he is gonna get reamed on insurance but he's gonna take it twice with a retract at it, 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 it john's stage of, uh, of his flying experience uh and you're also introducing yourself to a whole lot more complexity in aircraft ownership uh, right out of the box because of the added weight, maintenance, uh, uh, the uh, uh, extra complexity of what you've got to learn to do. Uh, uh, Aircraft hold your value really well. Older aircraft tend to appreciate. You wouldn't hurt yourself by starting your ownership experience by getting a, a, a good fixed gear that fi- suits the flying needs that you've defined uh, and fly it for two or three years put some yeah. time on it get your instrument rating in it maybe even uh, uh, <clears throat> then if you find that you're still bit by the uh, by the bug that says I'm going to put that lever up and down every time I fly uh, your airplane's probably going to be worth as much or, or even a little bit more and uh, you can start shopping for that replacement retract uh, with a lot more experience behind you, a lot more knowledge behind you, a lot better basis for your insurance rate. Uh, and if you happen to get your instrument rating along the way in that fixed gear airplane, uh, uh, two of the biggest triggers to the biggest rate reductions that you can find are going over 500 hours, going over 1,000 hours, and getting your instrument rating, and not necessarily in that order. So uh, put yourself in a good fixed gear airplane for two or three years. Uh, work on getting to 500 hours, getting that instrument rating. Then when you go to the retractable gear airplane, uh, there's a good chance that uh, you, you'll get gigged a lot less severely on insurance. Uh, you'll still be a low-time retract pilot unless you manage to get some uh, rental time before. But, man, you're just going to get buggered something fierce if you go out and buy retract right away. I'm going to disagree slightly. Okay. Um, that's uh, what for, you're here for. That's what I'm here for, for two reasons. <laughs> One, um, it, it, it's it's fine to to get into a fixed-gear airplane with the idea of upgrading to a retract or, or something more cross-country oriented down the road. Um, but uh, that means you're you're searching for an airplane twice, you're, you're, you're paying inspection fees, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
I look at, at um, buying an airplane and choosing an airplane, um, something like uh, buying a computer or buying a motorcycle. Um, you want to get a little bit more uh, than you think you're going to need. Uh, in that, I don't go with that. By the time you finish uh, acquiring it and um, getting used to it and, and figuring out how you're going to use it, you're probably going to use it more. You're probably going to want a little bit more performance out of it. Um, and um, you can always grow into it. Uh, any new airplane, uh, especially with a new private pilot like this gentleman, um, you're going to need some dual. You're going to be easing into to its operation. Sure, you can go buy a, a Skylane or a, uh, a Warrior or uh, a Skyhawk or something like that. And uh, something you've been flying at, at the rental uh, from the rental desk, and it'll fit like a glove very soon. Uh, but soon after that, you're going to wish you had a little bit more range. You're going to wish you had a little bit more speed, a little bit more useful load. And uh, you could have gotten that in the bargain in the first place. So, from from the standpoint of uh, learning curve alone. I don't know that I, I agree with Dave. Now, that said, um, <laughs> the, the issue of um, which airplane to buy is a little bit more complicated than just fixed gear versus retract. Um, we t we've talked about this in the past. Um, you need to figure out what your mission is. You need to figure out what your most common uh, trip length is going to be uh, and how much time you want to spend flying that trip. Um, what you're going to be carrying with you as, as far as the number of bodies, as far as the, the, the weight of the baggage, um, how much fuel you want to have when you get there, uh, all, all these kinds of variables. Another thought, though, when it comes to retract versus fixed gear, um, you know, if you've got the, the scratch, um, you know, go buy a brand new Columbia or a brand new uh, um, Cirrus. Um, Cirrus. Um, those airplanes are fixed gear with retractable gear performance. Um, one, the, the mind only boggles uh, if you think about what how they would perform if the gear folded up. But um, not a lot different. Yeah, I get two two additional points though on retract versus fixed gear. Uh, a lot of airplanes are designed uh, from scratch as retractables. Uh, the Bonanza comes to mind. The Comanche comes to mind. Uh, other airplanes have retractable gear thrust upon them later in life. Uh, the Piper Arrows uh, come to mind. Uh, the 172RG comes to mind. Um, those airplanes in the latter category I consider to be something of a compromise. They weren't designed from the beginning as a retractable. And as a consequence, um, you're you're paying for that down the road, I think, um, in performance and in sometimes in maintenance. Uh, the the retractable gear Cherokee, the Piper Arrow, is not that much better a performer than a than a fixed gear version of the same airplane with the same horsepower. I've uh, flown them all. There's, there's, um, a, there's a good twenty knots. 25 knots. Well, there. I, I, I don't, I, I disagree. There's, there's 10, 15 knots, but is that worth, is that worth the, uh, 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 200 horsepower, 180 horsepower 
uh, and I've flown a 200 horsepower Cherokee, fixed gear Cherokee, it's called the Turbo Dakota, uh, is um, you know 125 knot, 130 knot airplane, um, a 200 horsepower um, arrow of the same vintage with the same wing and fuselage is a 140 knot airplane. So you fold the gear, you put up with the weight and the maintenance cost, and you get 10 knots out of it. I'm not sure that's a good bargain. Um, well, the 172 are. Go ahead. Dave. Not even going to get into some of the differences in the gear systems that we. Well, and that's that's the other point against. Yep. Yeah. Stick, sticking with the basic point, there's uh, Jim makes some good points, and uh, it's by no means uh, you know the last word uh, my, no. my opinion on it. But I think you can do a lot of flying on the difference in what your insurance is going to cost you and what your maintenance is going to cost you for the first two or three years and find out whether you really want to live with an airplane long term. Uh, It's not unusual for uh, a a new pilot to get airplane-itis, go out there and dump uh, maybe a little more money than is wise on on an airplane and, and by the end of that first year find that he's, you know, he really should have stayed a renter. Right. And uh, it's a much less expensive lesson to learn and usually a little easier to turn around at sale time if you get a really nice fixed-gear airplane. And there's some pretty decent fixed-gear, uh, pretty decent performing fixed-gear airplanes out there. The, uh, the, the venerable 182 Skyline uh, hauls well, flies re- reasonably uh-huh. fast, fixed-gear, complex, and high-performance. Uh, all those things would go well toward getting you a better insurance rate. Should you decided, should you decide later that you want to go to uh, a, a two ten Centurion with retractable gear and six seats? Yeah. Well, there you go. This is obviously a really big subject, and uh, I think we probably should return to it in the future. Um, but we're we're kind of on a on a tight schedule this morning, and so yeah. unless there's a, a really quick final thought on that subject, I think we need to move on. We're really excited. We've been talking about this for a few episodes now, and we're really excited that uh, that next week uh, in Uncontrolled Airspace number 25, we're going to be recording the episode from the grounds of the Sun and Fun Fly-In down in Lakeland, Florida. And in addition to recording the episode, we're going to the uh, recording session itself is going to be aired live on Sun and Fun Radio down there in the Lakeland area. If you're in that area, either for the, for the fly-in or just in the Lakeland area, that's, uh, that's a... Uh, uh, 1510 a.m. Uh, on the radio dial. So uh, Jeb, uh, Dave, myself, uh, plus some friends and some special guests will be gathering on the deck of the Sun and Fun Radio Building, which uh, right after the daily air show. And any of our listeners or anyone else who wants to listen, watch, or maybe even join in can kick back on the lawn right next to the deck, bring your lawn chairs and blankets, and uh, and we're going to have a fun time. Donations of cold drinks and hot dogs are always uh, you know, I didn't start that this time. That's right. I'm not the one who started <laughs> okay. it. I, I was starting to get a reputation, and and. Dave They've beat me to it this time, so I just want everyone to know that was Higdon, not Burnside. Okay, oh, you know, your sun- reputation secure. That's right. The Sun oh, and Fun, the Sun and Fun right. Radio Building is, uh, if you're not familiar with the area, is uh, right behind the FAA Exhibits Building, which is a fairly notable landmark there uh, in the flying grounds. Uh, and according to the uh, Sun and Fun Notum, the air show will conclude that day at about 5:30 local time. So uh, come on by and uh, and uh, hear us do the podcast. 
We got another interesting piece of uh, listener mail this past week from Pat, who I believe is from Florida, but he didn't explicitly tell us where he's from. Pat writes, Hello, Jack and crew. I will be attending Sun and Fun for the first time this year, and I was just curious about what to expect. He asks, Do you have any tips that would make it easier or more fun to attend? Is there an air show every day like I hear there is at Oshkosh? Uh, is this just a big convention-style show, or is there flying entertainment? Where will your booth be in the vast expanse of the Lakeland <laughs> Park, <laughs> and just whatever else you guys can think of to inform the listeners me uh, would be greatly appreciated he says the only thing i don't need help with is how to get there he says i drive to lakeland on a regular basis i'll actually be there this monday thanks for your help pat from i think from florida well pat Funny you should ask, because coincidentally, uh, joining us now here in the virtual hangar is the president and CEO of the Sun and Fun Fly-In. Talking to us from Lakeland, Florida, is John Burton. Good morning, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Jack. Thank you. How are you? We're, I'm doing really fine, uh, although it's supposed to snow up here in Boston this morning, which Again? is... Again? Yeah, that's what... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. It's going to be a little cool down here, I heard, today, too. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us. What's cool? um, I won't. I won't get into that. You know, my, my mother lives in northern Wisconsin, and she told me how cold it was, and I made the mistake of saying, yeah, it's getting a little cold down here, because for Florida, it was uh, rather cool that week. It dropped down into the 40s, and, and it was time since I moved down here eight years ago that I let it slip, and then I heard the silence on the other end of the phone. My mom said, tell me, John, how cool is it down there? It's minus 14 up here. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Rick at uh, at EAA up in Oshkosh yesterday, and he was telling me yesterday afternoon they had a really big snowstorm. He described it as whiteout conditions. So it's an odd spring wow. all around America. But but it's nice down in Florida, and that's where we're all headed. Al Gore, please pick up the white courtesy phone. That's right. <laughs> so uh, we're we're really we're really pleased to have you with us this morning. Uh, we want you to fill us in on all the all the scoop about uh, about the fly-in this year. I was thinking though, first you might tell us a little bit about the history of the fly-in. How long has it been around and what, what's it what was it like in past years and things like that how it came to sure, me. jack thank you and, and before I, I continue i also have donna gabriel who is our director of communications and marketing hey, here with donna. me so uh, if i if i misspeak she can she can correct me good morning, good morning. i always needed somebody uh, like that too good morning donna <laughs> <laughs> sun and fun started uh about 33 years ago uh 1975 was the first uh uh, event. It was held on the north side of Lakeland uh, Airport at the time, and it was really a combination of uh, EAA chapters, the Antique uh, uh, Airplane Association, uh, FASACA, uh, and a number of uh, aviation groups that were having their own individual aviation activities and events at different times of the year. And really, uh, all these groups got together and said, you know, why don't we pool our resources and have one big event in January when we could extend an invitation to our good friends from the north to come down and come down and thaw out their wings and, and have a good time in Florida. So uh, a lot of the manpower, most of the manpower, was provided by the area EAA chapters, uh, and they did a great job. And the, the first event in 1975 was, was quite successful. And then uh, the idea of, of thawing out your wings kind of cooled, I think it was either the second or the third year, because uh, it had one of the rare occasions when it actually snowed here in Lakeland, Florida. So uh, the, the fly-in moved back uh, a month uh, or so, and uh, was doing a great job for the middle years. Uh, but then it started to compete with the uh, uh, exhibition baseball season, which is very, very big in, in central Florida. 
so it finally moved to April uh, about 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, and we've traditionally been right around the second week of April ever since. Excellent. Yeah. And, and so it's grown quite a bit from that uh, chapter fly on to what it is today, hasn't it, John? Yeah, it, it really has. I, I don't have a lot of numbers from the first event. Uh, I've been told that as many as 1,200 people uh, attended uh, and, and maybe a couple of hundred of airplanes. And, and most of the airplanes back then, again, I understand, uh, I was just a, a young, young, very young lad uh, 33 years ago. If you believe that, I have some property down in the Everglades, I'll, I'll sell you. Uh, but uh, the, the, fir the first years was really focused on antique airplanes, home-built, experimental category aircraft, uh, those airplanes. Uh, but now, you know, you're getting anywhere from 3,000 to 4,000 airplanes that participate throughout the, the, the week. And we have roughly 160 to 170,000 people who participate. Wow. Fabulous. Um, John, uh, a lot of people look at Sun and Fun as perhaps a, a, um, a smaller version of Oshkosh, a mini-me of Oshkosh, for example. Um, not suggesting that you have to agree with that, but how would you characterize Sun and Fun juxtaposed with uh, AirVenture? Sure. Well, I, I think it is a, a smaller model of Oshkosh. This, this event was based on the Oshkosh model. Uh, it, its core purpose is education. Uh, the, the early influences were all EAA members and EAA chapters who did a, a great job. And uh, the cooperation between Sun and Fun and EAA uh, has went way back, to, uh, even preceding the first days of the fly-in. Uh, uh -huh. Billy Henderson was the, the first uh, executive director here, and he was a longtime EAA member, as were many of the, of the chapter presidents who formed the, the, uh, uh, the Sun and Fun board way back when. So it, it's very, very similar and, and, in fact, was based on that Oshkosh model. And, and the core uh, activity is, is education uh, with the, the educational forums, seminars, and workshops. Uh, we continue to utilize EAA judging standards for all of our aircraft. Uh -huh. uh, we have a close and, and strong partnership with EAA that we value very much. So uh, I, I think your, your first description is, is very accurate and holds true to this day. Mm -hmm. Very good. Now, where did uh, so we want to hear more about the fly-in past and present, but where did the museum enter into the picture? The museum opened in 1992. Uh, we're celebrating our 15th anniversary this year. And it was really uh, to give Sun and Fun a year-round footprint on the airport. Uh, I mentioned a couple of minutes back that the, the, fly, the first fly-ins, the first three, I believe, were held on the north side of the airport. And then uh, afterwards, the city of Lakeland uh, helped Sun and Fun get some property on the southwest corner. And uh, Sun and Fun volunteers and, and EA chapters and, and pilots and aircraft owners from all over uh, Florida and the southeastern United States really created a fly-in facility out of uh, uh, wetlands, uh, swamps and, and low-lying areas. And it is now, I think, one of the finest uh, aviation and fly-in facilities in the world. Yep, yep. And so, the, but the, the, I, I guess what I was getting at is the museum is something that we can visit down there year-round if we're so inclined, right? Absolutely. The, the museum is our year-round footprint, and in fact, in 2003, uh, our, the Florida Air Museum was named the official aviation museum and education center for the state of Florida. Wow. Cool. It's, so, it's a nice facility, is, uh, yeah, and it's yeah. included in your admission to Sun and Fun, so uh, uh, folks who, uh, who show up 
letter writer, uh, he's got an opportunity to uh, stroll through the museum uh, on the same ticket that gets him in the gate for Summit Fund. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and to that end, there are lots of programs going on in the museum during Sun and Fun. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole series of lectures and authors who are who have uh, written aviation-related books. Um, there's a an info guide that most of our guests will get at the gate, and uh, that details all of the activities that are going on across the campus, but um, also in the museum. And one of the things I just wanted to mention quickly about the about the museum program. One of the things that excites me so much is the summer camp program for kids. And of course, that's coming up. Um, after the fly-in, but that, we have a residential camp this year, and every kid who comes to that camp, um, if they if they choose, gets to fly an airplane. It's just really an awesome um, experience, and it's a great way to expose kids to aviation. That's true. They do a great job. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about some of the notable things that have happened at the fly-in in past years. Are there any particular visitors or events that stick out in your mind? I tell you, all we have to do is go back to last year, and, and the thing that uh, I know Dave, Dave Higdon uh, was here. Jeb, I don't know if you and Jack were I, I here last year. I did not make it last year. I'm sorry to say. Well, we we held you a spot, and we missed it. <laughs> I know. The, the I, F- I missed it Raptors. itself. I was not a happy camper. Well, what, what did we miss out on? Yeah. The the uh, F-22 Raptors made their public debut last year at Sun and Fun. And I, I felt really bad for the F-15 demo team that was here that were just flying their, their seats off of their pants in, as part of the air show. And then behind the air show crowd, the Raptor was literally hanging in midair, just turning on its uh, uh, vertical axis, you know, checking out the scene down below. And half of the air show crowd was not watching the F-15s do their demo. They were turned around watching the Raptors uh, do his own special air show. And it was uh, absolutely phenomenal. A little so, sibling uh, rivalry, still, eh? Uh, I think the, yeah. the 25th anniversary of the, fa- the, the first space shuttle launch uh, was also last year. And, and as far as I know, we were one of the few, if not the only, aviation activity that had both John Young and Bob Crippen, who were the only crew members of STS-1, uh, on site. They did a fabulous evening program. They were interviewed uh, by, by uh, CNN. Uh, it was just absolutely wonderful. And then uh, we had a 20th anniversary of the Flight of the Voyager where we had Dick Rutan and a host of their uh, volunteer team that made that flight possible. And as a volunteer organization ourselves, we wanted to look at that flight from the volunteer perspective, and it was absolutely spectacular. That's great. Well, I remember yeah. Yeah. One, of the, uh, one of the things that uh, people always ask me about uh, the, the difference between Sun and Fun and Air Venture uh, is, is about the uh, logistics. And uh, I've always kind of bragged about Sun and Fun as being laid out a little more conveniently for the uh, for the uh, uh, visitor uh, than the mostly linear layout that uh, we have along 1836 at Oshkosh. Could you explain to our listeners a little bit about how the show is laid out and what's where? Well, I, I think there there's a from a logistical standpoint, there is one major difference uh, between Oshkosh and Lakeland, and I would give the advantage to Oshkosh in this, in that they have two separate runway patterns. Uh, their 927, their east-west runway and their north-south runway are separated so that they can have two arrival and departure patterns uh, that, that we don't benefit from uh, down here. In addition, because of that separation, they can launch uh, aircraft uh, at, at all times of the day on the on 927 uh, and leaving 1836 primarily for showcase flying in the air show. So that, that's a wonderful 
uh, scenario for them from a logistics standpoint. But I, I would uh, tend to agree. I, I think it was Dave who said that uh, you know it's a little bit more laid back down here. Uh, Sun and Fun, Lakeland Linder Regional Airport has about 1,100 acres that we utilize for our fly-in. Uh, I think it is uh, a little bit more, uh, uh, I don't want to say round, but it's more of a rectangular uh, shape than, than the uh, long oblong box that we have up at, up at Oshkosh. Uh, I just think it's, it's nice to have places to sit down. Uh, we have a lot of shade trees uh, all over the fly-in site. And uh, because of our positioning, uh, not only early in the air show season, uh, but also in uh, mid-April in central Florida, it really is a wonderful opportunity not only to get your aviation fix, but then if you stay, uh, you know, extend your vacation either early or late, uh, you can take in all of the, you know, the world's major tourist attractions that are, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump away from our front door. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I think we've teased our listeners enough. Tell us what we can expect this year. What's going to be cool? Well, actually, we've got three major um, things coming up uh, this year. We've got, for the first time this year, an open flight line. Uh, we are offering to um, our Lakeland residents and, and Florida residents and active duty military as well, we'll, we'll have um, half-price admissions for both Saturday and Sunday, for, so for the entire weekend. Um, and on Saturday night, we've got Aaron Tippin in concert. Um, so mm. those are, are three major events that are happening. Cool. I'm sorry. Say again what day that is. Saturday, April 21st, 7 o'clock p.m., Aaron Tippin will be in concert. Jeb, we made the wrong decision. I know. <laughs> oh, well. What else? Well, the, neat, the neat thing about Aaron is that he is an avid pilot. In fact, yeah. uh, his most recent uh, video was shot in his hangar with five of his aircraft uh, serving as a backdrop. And huh. uh, he, he has not been down to Summit Fun before, uh, but uh, we're really looking forward to his first visit, and he's just... You know, like like all the other pilots and aircraft owners, he's going to be kicking tires along the flight line for for a good part of the week, and then uh, in concert Saturday night. So I can't wait to hear him. That's great. Actually, actually a pretty uh, cool individual. I mean, he he soloed when he was 16 and had his multi-engine by the time he was 18. So he's been a pilot for a little while. He's a very active uh, uh, military supporter, and that he's gone to the Middle East on yearly, basically to to perform. For the troops there, so he'll be here on Saturday in conjunction with some of the military aircraft that we'll have, not only a static display, but also flying. We have the A-10s. We'll be doing a demo on the weekend, as well as some um, F-18s from the Navy. Wow. We're going to have I a know. by by the uh, B-1 oh. bomber uh, on Friday at 1.30 as well on the 20th, and then on the 21st, uh, the B-2 stealth bomber is going to do a flyby about 4 o'clock as part of our air show. Great. Well, Jack, we're going to miss that, too. Yeah, well, we've clearly made a <laughs> bunch, of guys, guys, much a p- bunch of poor choices here. Way too early. Yeah, I know. I know, I know. Way too early. Um, I know, for example, uh, there's an AOPA day down there. Yeah, I don't yeah. know which specific day it is. Are there any other uh, days that are, are dedicated to organizations or activities or something like that? Every day of the week. I think is the best answer. The the AOPA day is uh, Friday, April 20th, and uh, Phil Boyer will be having a pilot town meeting on Thursday night uh, in our uh, uh, Florida Air Museum pavilion. So Thursday night, Phil Boyer, AOPA town hall meeting, and then Friday is uh, AOPA day. 
But really what we were trying to do uh, is uh, we're trying to get as many type clubs or other aviation, large aviation groups. Uh, we're trying to work with the Cessna uh, Owners Association to have a mass fly in here. Last year we had the uh, Cubs, uh, 76 Cubs that flew in uh, from Miami. Uh, also, uh, Paul Poberezny uh, will be uh, the evening program on our opening night, Tuesday, April 17th. And he, uh, the host of that is going to be Kermit Weeks. So oh, Kermit wow. will be tossing questions to Paul. And I'll tell you, I don't want to miss that one. No, yeah, that, that sounds like fun. That sounds great. So the, now the Daily Air Show is, what? It went, there is in fact a Daily Air Show, is that correct? Yes, there is. As a matter of fact, going back to your first question from uh, Pat, uh, we have a Daily Air Show. It begins every day at 2 p.m. Uh, with the exception of our final day, which is uh, Monday, April 23rd, when the air show starts at noon. Uh, we only have a half a day on uh, Monday because our vendors were calling that vendor bonding day uh, due, to the, <laughs> due to the crowds on the, on the last day. So uh, we only have half a day on Monday, but we start up the air show right at noon, and it runs until about 2 or 2.30. So, yes, daily air show starts at 2 p.m. every day except the last day. And, and, and we have a air show on now. Friday. People Okay, I'm sorry. Donna, you go ahead. Say that again. We also have a night air show on Friday night. It's a very, very unique event. A lot of people have never seen a night air show, but it's just, it's a, it's really a phenomenal event. Lots of pyrotechnics, the, the planes, uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. That show starts at dusk and it's followed by the, at its conclusion with a fireworks display. That's so great. For That's great. Pat coming over for the first time, he certainly wants to, Make make certain that um, he catches the Friday night air show. Yeah, he yeah. can stay up late Friday night yeah. watching the night air show on fireworks, and then get up very early the next morning for the hot air balloon launch. Oh, really? It's always great. And yeah, really. What time is that going to go? They go off like at dawn, right, or before dawn? They, they go off about seven a.m. Uh, they've gone up at, as late as seven thirty. But if you want to see that, you better get there early. I know their briefing is at six thirty. Uh, last year we had uh, forty hot air balloons. But we had uh, high winds aloft, so they were not able to launch. The year before, we had 39 balloons, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, it was ab- I was never a hot air balloon aficionado, but after seeing that launch, it is absolutely majestic. It's yeah, spectacular. Yeah. And That's great. For those of you who have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Uh, and, one, and one, go ahead, Jeb. Well, one of the things that I've always found uh, just um, very enlightening, for lack of a better term, literally and figuratively, is the pre-dawn... Uh, um, uh, preparations for for a balloon a mass balloon launch. Um, you've got all these burners running, and they're illuminating the inside of the, the envelopes and the different colors and the, the flickering and the noise and all that is just is just very uh, very exciting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Definitely arrive early. Go ahead, John. We're hoping to have a hot air balloon glow behind the Aaron Tippin stage on Saturday night, so you can just kind of have a visual image of what that might look like. Oh, very cool. Cool. It's going to be a fantastic uh, week. One of the things that we also want to make sure we mention is the uh, splash-in. The splash-in takes place um, on Thursday and Friday at Lake Parker here, and that's also another great event. It's, uh, it's, It's pretty awesome to see the seaplanes flying into Lake Parker, they do some competition flying and some other fun things. And um, a lot of our, a lot of folks are um, 
Uh, love the seaplanes, and especially here in Florida, we got lots of water. Mm-hmm. A little more late. We've had a little rain. Yeah. <laughs> now, well, going back just for a second to the Daily Air Show, the regular finish time of the Daily Air Show is when, approximately? Between, between 5 and 5.30 every day. And the reason I mention that is that on Wednesday, one of the very special events at this year's Sun and Fun, at least for us, is that uh, we're really excited about the idea that we're going to be recording next week's episode of this podcast from there. Terrific. Uh, we've actually already talked about that a little bit on the podcast before you guys joined us. But uh, again, I just want to urge all of our listeners and, and anyone who's in the area to come on by and, and join us for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. What else should we know about the uh, about this year's Sun and, uh, this year's Sun and Fun? We have uh, this year, we will be unveiling actually on Monday evening um, at our gala um, a sweepstakes aircraft. Uh, for the oh, first wow. time, I believe, Sun and Fun will have a sweepstakes aircraft. This is a, a light sport aircraft. It's a two passenger um, aircraft that uh, we will be unveiling and then promoting for the year and will actually be awarding at next year's Sun and Fun, April 8, 2008. That's great. I think one. Donna mentioned light sport aircraft. This year's Sun and Fun will really be uh, honing in on the LSA uh, aircraft, that movement. Uh, there's been a real uptick, as you guys know, uh, in light sport aircraft activities. We will, we've created a separate tent, a separate forums tent, to deal with sport pilot and light sport aircraft uh, issues. Uh, that will be filled every day. Uh, we also have the Light Aircraft Manufacturers Association who will be here. Uh, they will have a tent right near our main gate, and they'll be rotating LSA aircraft in uh, every evening. So uh, uh, we, we think that that's going to be a real focal point for a lot of aviation enthusiasts who, you know, probably uh, don't know as much about LSA uh, as uh, we'd all like. Yeah. Uh, well, they'll get to see a lot of them fly there, won't they, John? Yes, there will be a lot of flying. The uh, light sport aircraft activities are going to be migrating. Last year, uh, we had a lot of the LSA exhibitors in our new southeast exhibit area, and now uh, we're migrating those exhibitors down to Paradise City, which has been home for years to ultralight and light plane activities. But uh, with the decrease in ultralight uh, activities and the increase in LSA, uh, we thought that we would migrate our LSA activities down to that area. And we'll continue to have uh, flying off of the Paradise City Strip uh, uh, this year as well. Folks, if you, when you go to Sun and Fun, Paradise City is a morning and evening ritual that lets you get right up next to the fence and feel the prop blast as these airplanes come and go. It's really colorful. It's great fun. That's great. Yeah, and they also throw one of the best parties on site, I understand. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, know that for really. <laughs> I, I, I didn't rumor know that. Dave John, has uh, I, never been heard a guest vocalist with the band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Only well, for the tone deaf. Only for the tone deaf. Yeah. Well, John, there's one the- that I hope we've conveyed. It's that there's so much going on here at Sun and Fun. This is just this is a great event uh, down here. and. And I've, I've been attending as a guest for about 10 years, and it's just it's really awesome. We have a lot of things going on. I would be remiss if I didn't um, tell our guests to check out the website. All of this information that we've talked about and more is on the website, www.sun-n-fun.org. Great. We'll have yep. that link very, on our very website. Good website yep, way. and we'll definitely add that to the show notes and to our website as well. Yeah. Uh, Jeb, did you have a question? Idea, and I, I um, uh, kind of preface this, uh, John or, or Donna or, or both of you. We've we've talked uh, here on Uncontrolled Airspace in the past about uh, 
uh, how, to, how to get to Sun and Fun, how to get to Oshkosh, for that matter, uh, if you're flying in. And we've, we've uh, um, talked about you know, getting the notum and understanding the notum. Uh, any tips? To people who don't. Yeah. Any tips uh, this year specifically, but uh, 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 in general, for pilots who are coming uh, uh, in by their own airplane? I think the first thing I would say, Jeb, is uh, go to the website, get a copy of the NOTAM, and, and really review it. Uh, for those pilots who have flown in previously, there aren't a lot of significant changes in the NOTAMs. But one thing I will tell to experienced Sun and Fun flyers is that the orange water tower referenced in the NOTAM has been painted white. Oh. Uh, and I think uh, <laughs> FAA is going to have an, have a, uh, an update to the, to the NOTAM, but just... There, there's reference in the NOTAM to an orange water tower as you're making your turn towards Lakeland Linda Regional Airport. Uh, that is a white tower, and frankly, it, it stands out much better than the faded <laughs> orange tower from last year. That's a uh, turn from the, to the south as you're going to the west. Yes, sir. South, yeah. That is a turn to the south uh, heading directly for uh, midpoint of uh, Lakeland Linda Regional Airport. Okay. And, and John's correct that the NOTAM is, uh, is posted also on, on Sunning Fund's website, but um, pilots can also access that NOTAM at FAA.gov, so both, exactly both the right. FAA website and the Sun and Fun website. But there's, not, there's nothing new or different, uh, substantially anyway, as far as previous year's arrivals procedures. N nothing no. substantial, no. Good, good. Come to Lake Parker, stick your left wing over yes. Lake Parker, fly around and right. over the North Tower until the FAA says go that away, then follow their instructions. And, and bring plenty of fuel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and listen. And listen. That's right. And listen up. Yeah, don't talk. And listen. That's right. Yeah. Well, this is great. We're yeah. really looking forward to this. It's going to be. Yeah, we are. It's going to be a lot of fun. The the fly-in's fun every year, and uh, and we have this extra special thing that's going to be make it make it uh, doubly, triply special for us. John, thank you, uh, and Donna for being with us this morning. Uh, any any last words before we uh, we let you go? I, I think the, the the two things I'd, I'd like to to leave. Number one is uh, our sincere thanks uh, to the volunteers who really helped make this event possible. Absolutely. Uh, we here, have a year-round staff uh, of, of 22 people uh, who are here year-round, but we can't do uh, this event, its size and scope, without the wonderful, enthusiastic, and talented assistance of roughly 2,500 volunteers who do everything from park airplanes to pick up garbage. They do a fabulous job, and it's a credit to those guys and the pilots who are flying in here, that uh, the, the safety uh, record down here has been really outstanding the last, uh, at least the last four or five years. So uh, hats off to them. And, and secondly is, is thanks to you guys for giving us this opportunity to, to share some information about Sun and Fun uh, with your many uh, listeners. So thanks. Thanks much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very, much. very much. We appreciate you taking time to come on because, you Absolutely. know, five days out, you've probably got plenty of other things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would imagine you guys are pretty busy down there. Well, thank you again, John Burton, the uh, president and CEO of Sun and Fun Fly-In. And uh, Donna, you, I, you know, Donna, I don't have your title in front of me, but I believe you are, what, the director of marketing for Sun and Fun? Is that correct? Director, director of Communications and Marketing. There you go. Well, thanks to both of you, and uh, we look forward to uh, saying hi in person uh, in a little less. Well, we're going to arrive on Tuesday, but uh, we'll be doing be our thing uh, later next week. Thanks again. Take care, and uh, get back to work. Come on. We're, we're on our way. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, on Jack. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Jeb. Okay. Bye.
Well, that was terrific. We really appreciate John and Donna taking a few minutes to join us because they certainly are just crazed with with preparations for the yeah. fly-in this year. I imagine and, John's out there with a the paint can right now, putting finishing touches on the new paint on some yeah, of those buildings. Yeah, so, yeah. very much appreciate their so, time. So, a bunch of good people, John, Donna, all their staff, and all the volunteers do a terrific job do putting together that fly-in. And, uh, and you and can't I, find you can't find a better kickoff to the spring flying season than Lakeland, Florida. Okay. Well, let's wrap this guy up here. Uh, Any uh, final uh, comments, any uh, shout outs or uh, short items that are in the news right now that we want to, before we finish up? Uh, I got one little one that uh, came to me here just today uh, from uh, Woodland Aviation out in California. They're sponsoring something on May 5th called the Concours du Bonanza which is kind of like an automobile show uh, concourse where you bring your classic car in and, and, and show it off and have it judged and, and uh, looked at by thousands of adoring people. Well, in uh, honor of the 60th anniversary of the Bonanza, Woodland Aviation is, uh, is uh, throwing this event on May 5th. Uh, Woodland Aviation is at Woodland, California. Uh, Watts Woodland Airport is 041. And uh, the website, it's on, it'll be in our show notes, woodlandaviation.com slash RSVP. It's a fundraiser for Angel Flight. They're asking for a $25 donation uh, or $50 for a concourse participant. Bring your old Bonanza. Bring your new Bonanza. There's going to be probably hundreds of them show up to be judged there and uh, send a few bucks uh, in the way toward those folks at Angel Flight that do such a good job uh, helping uh, ill and and suffering people get around the country with uh, low cost. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Um, I I won't make that and I won't enter, but I might might consider a contribution. That's good. And Jeb, any final thoughts here? Any last... uh... The only thing I would... uh, I saw in my email this morning uh, that there was a a serious parachute deployment uh, yesterday or overnight uh, apparently uh, somewhere in the southwest or uh, in the Rocky Mountain region, um, uh, engine failure precipitated it, and um, uh, another another save, if you will, for the, uh, the Cirrus airframe uh, parachute. Uh, don't know many more details about that, but uh, uh, apparently uh, everyone on board that uh, uh, that particular airplane uh, emerged unscathed, or at least with minor injuries. That's good to hear. Yeah, it is. Well, and thank I think you. There were people who said, "Why would anybody want to pull the parachute when they've got the option to land it?" And it's like, uh, you know, that option to land is illusory. Yeah, especially if you're out in the southwest, there aren't an awful lot of flat spots. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah so so uh, the, the important the important thing though is that everybody's okay. Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's good. A well, good thank landing. you. Everybody walked away. As always, thanks a lot. It's fun to talk with you guys. Uh, People can learn more about Dave at his website, DaveHigdon.com, and uh, Jeb at, uh, all right, I'm going to read all the lists one more time, AviationSafetyMagazine.com, an excellent magazine, uh, uh, and uh, I look at it every month, uh, and uh, what else, uh, AvWeb.com, a great website, and uh, wrapping it all up, uh, you can learn about all kinds of Jeb things at JebBurnside.com, and I'm at I'm at jackhodgson.com. Learn more about my work. Also, my technology website, uh, uh, techpopuli.net. And, more uh, Burnside than you care to know. That's right. And check out the Sun and Fun website at sun-n-fun.org. That's a little bit of a mouthful, but we'll put that on the show notes. 
And of course, finally, check out uh, the Uncontrolled Airspace website at uncontrolledairspace.com. So that's it for this week. Uh, We're looking forward to next week. It's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you again next time. See you later. Now there's one little lesson that you need to learn That they just don't teach in school You just don't fool with the country boys too Too much They were standing down from my daddy's dad back in 1942 And they may be rusty and they might be old But they're kind of like my family Jew Honey, I love you, but there's something else too That I care about a heck of a lot well, it's the same old me, so don't be afraid. I'm just a red to ride in a country kind of way. You can email your suggestions and feedback about this podcast to podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. This time I got a guitar that you gotta plug in and a stack of screaming amps twisted with past ten. I'm having a ball and a tail.